Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Doug Gottlieb Show, today broadcasting live from College Station, Texas. Kyle Field, high above, high above the, uh, it's so funny, like, now Texas A&M is known for, like, Johnny Menzel and Dude Perfect, right? But, um... This is going to test your knowledge, Bayer. This is going to be a good one for Bayer because Bayer just stumped me with the reports of the first ever college football game being broadcast in 1921 being right here. It's a disputed – it was it was a great question. It completely stumped me. All right, so what was Jackie Sherrill known most for? I believe, like the one Jackie Sherrill story, which is often repeated about his time at Texas A&M. Do you remember? Um, no, not off the top of my head. I believe, I, I think it's when he was the coach here, not at Mississippi State. He castrated a bull and had a, had, they had a bull castrated in front of the team. Okay. It, it, it sounds somewhat, somewhat familiar, but that's, uh, <laughs> you, ever, you ever milk a bull? You make a friend for life. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox, <laughs> on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I, I, I want to react to something, which is the story of the day. And this is, it, it's one of the things that I think hurts a lot of college coaches who become pro coaches. I think it hurt Urban Meyer. It, um, it hurts Patriot guys when they go and take a job elsewhere. But it's, it's one of those things where, so Jalen Hurts, again, if we take Nick Sirianni, we take, and I wouldn't take Howie Roseman as word, not because I think Howie Roseman is dis, disingenuous. Actually, I do. Um, Howie Roseman, remember he signed uh, Sam Bradford to a contract extension, told everybody he's their starting quarterback, and then they went and drafted Carson Wentz and traded away Sam Bradford shortly thereafter. You guys remember that. But, of course, they spent the entire offseason up until the draft saying Sam Bradford was their guy. So we've seen that, heard that before. This is Howie Roseman earlier today when he was asked about his second-year quarterback, Jalen Hurts. We got to do whatever we can to continue to help him develop. And how do we do that? By surrounding him with really good players. Players continue to grow. That's a huge part of developing. How they are in their second year is not how they're going to be in year four, five, six, and seven. And they're also products of the people around them. Okay, so the idea is, and I've seen other people say, well, look, Jalen Hurts is only 23 years old. He's going to develop. He's going to get better. And and while I, I agree you're not going to usually get worse, you should get better, haven't we seen enough of Jalen Hurts to know what he is? Like, he started as a true freshman at Alabama. It's not like the guy hasn't had the reps at the position, right? He started as a true freshman at Alabama, and once he got into his – once he got competition, Tua Tagovailoa was better than him. Right? 
Then he went to Oklahoma, and he was still good. He's not bad. I'm not trying to tell you he stinks. Right? But in comparison to Kyler Murray, who's shown his limitations as a pro, Baker Mayfield, who's shown his limitations as a pro, everyone would contend, if you watched at Oklahoma, if you talked to people at Oklahoma, by about midseason, they were frustrated with his inability as a passer. And he became just a running quarterback who they'd have throw. They had designed runs, even even when he dropped back. Like, they just like, look, if you don't see what you like, run the football. And, uh, look, I, I get that if you simply take it as here's a 23-year-old quarterback, second year in the NFL. They weren't supposed to be very good. They make the playoffs and they lose to Tom Brady. If you just take that part of the story, okay. But if you... If you consider the context, he's played a ton of football. Tua was clearly better. Kyler was clearly better. Baker Mayfield was clearly better. And oh yeah, by the way, none of those guys are exactly killing it in the NFL in that system. Listen to the wins that they had. Falcons. Panthers after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Okay. Lions. Uh, Broncos without Teddy Bridgewater. Saints after Jameis Winston got hurt. Jets, Washington at the end of the year when they had nobody left. Giants, Washington. They beat no one. And they lost to the Giants. And they got completely depanced um, in, in the playoffs by the Buccaneers. And they got completely depanced because, and you heard Michael Lombardi say it last hour if you're listening, like, you can't win playoff games that way, but you can win some regular season games that way. He's just limited. He's a really good backup quarterback who can be a spot starter. But what happens with uh, Howie Roseman, this happens with lots of, happens in business all the time, is you fall in love with your guys. You're so convinced that you found a diamond and that you know, like, listen, I know what you think, but this is... You ever seen the, the the make me moves on Zillow? Right, make me move. Did anybody use Zillow as a website? Zillow is the it's a real estate website, but it also gives you what's called a zestimate. And there's a there's an algorithm they use for local pricing, and they give you about yes, in your house. Well, you can list your house by yourself without realtor fees, or whatever, and just put like a, it's called a make me move price. And what happens? Without any question is anybody who does that, like you inflate the value, your house is worth $300,000. You see other houses, you're like, you know, I'll move, but you got to pay me $600,000 for my house. And anybody else is like, your house is not worth $600,000. Your house is worth $300,000. No, no, no. You don't understand. I got this. I got that. I got the best lot. I got the biggest house. I guess like, okay. It, it's almost like parenting. You know, my, my high school coach is a guy named Andy Ground. And he's been a longtime junior college coach, very successful one. And he he told me once in coaching coaching kids, he's like, I'm going to give you this really good advice. Don't ever listen to parents talking about their kid. They're just blinded by love. And that's essentially what Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni are. They're just blinded by love. Like, dude, that guy is, he's he looks the part, he sounds the part, sometimes he even feels the part. But but the the Buccaneers is not a great defense, especially against the pass. It's just not. And 
the lack of accuracy, the lack of feel as a passer, it just got badly exposed. And I'm sure that Howie is sitting there going like, well, look at what they've done with Lamar Jackson on that rookie contract, and he can be our Lamar Jackson. At what point? At, at some point, you want to pull him aside and go like, okay, I, I understand that they were both very good quarterbacks in college. Lamar Jackson, who also has his limitations, okay, has only won one playoff game, and that style has its limitations. But Lamar Jackson is a freak Okay, he is a freak of nature. He is the best running quarterback we have ever seen. And he throws a better ball than Jalen Hurts. And look, I get it. They trade away Zach Ertz and they're sitting there going like, look, we can go and get big tight ends and guys with big catch radiuses and run the football and shorten the game and more running backs and we can do what Baltimore did. That's what we can do. That dude ain't Lamar Jackson. It's like the famous line from, um, oh man, I'm kind of dating myself. Ramos, do you remember the line that Dan Quayle had? And then uh, I think it was Lloyd Benson. Yes, Lloyd Benson. He was running for vice president. Uh, Right. Do you remember the vice presidential debate? Do you remember what happened? I do remember. Yes. That's when Lloyd said, "I, I knew Jack Kennedy. You're no Jack Kennedy. Yes. Well, you have to sell the what? Dan Quell said it. Right? Uh-huh. Dan Quell, the guy who couldn't spell potato. Right. By the way, I'm just going to tell you right now, I struggle with the word potato. I don't, I, but, but I'm also not, I'm not vice president of the United States. But um, Dan Quell kind of likened himself to a young uh, John F. Kennedy. Uh, was it, uh, and Lloyd Benson gets up, and it's one of the greatest lines in the history of. Definitely probably the greatest line in the history of vice presidential debate. Nothing comes out of vice presidential debates of any sort of substance, it seems like. Uh, Senator, I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. And you, Senator, are no Jack Kennedy, right? That's, that's, I believe that's the line. Yeah, and it, did, it didn't help Mike Dukakis that one bit, but it was a hell of a line. You're right about well, that. Well, Mike Dukakis was done in because they put him in a tank. They put him in the tank, yeah. And he, he, he looked as uncomfortable in that tank as Kyler Murray did behind center <laughs> on Monday night. Right? And everybody who's old enough to know that reference, that political reference, was like, you know what? I think Gottlieb just nailed it. That's exactly how uncomfortable <laughs> Kyler Murray looked. Um, anyway, it, you want to say like, if Nick Sirianni or Howie Roseman think he's it's like Lamar Jackson. Senator, I know Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is my fantasy quarterback. And Jalen Hurts, Senator, is no Lamar Jackson. If the Eagles are doubling down on Jalen Hurts, remember, they beat nobody. Okay? And it's in a year in which the Cowboys were okay, but they're they're always going to be better at quarterback. Dak is better than Jalen Hurts, and they're always going to have better dudes. The Washington football team is going to be better next year than they were this year. They lost Chase Young, who's in that Nick Bosa conversation of the best young defensive end in the league, right? He's he's an absolute game changer. And of course, they they lost, they've been through like how many, eight quarterbacks in the last two years? They lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. My guess is that will be remedied here in the offseason. And the Giants couldn't have been a bigger colossal disaster. And the Giants actually beat the Eagles this year. You played the easiest schedule on record. 
you snuck into the playoffs and got embarrassed. You have three first-round picks. And I will grant you it doesn't appear like there's a quarterback worth taking in the draft that's going to make you immediately better. Maybe long-term one of them does. But Russell Wilson could be on the move. You got three first-round picks. Aaron Rodgers could be on the move. You got three first-round picks. Um, you kind of look around the league, and there are going to be some options for some for uh, for other quarterbacks. You know, I don't think you're not taking Carson Wentz back, but I Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I said it. Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But they're going to do what. This is what college coaches do when they get to the NFL. It's it's the reason that 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 Tim Tebow was in camp with the Jaguars. Guys love their guys because the love of a coach for a guy who's accomplished something as a player is like the love of a father with a kid. And as my high school coach, who's become a great college, a junior college coach, said, "Can't take parents' word for it; they're blinded by love." That's the only thing I can think of with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I'm not saying he stinks. I'm not saying get rid of him. But the idea that right now you're like, he's the starter, no questions. That You put yourself in a, in a hole. In a hole. And I think they put themselves in the hole because they really believe that. All right, coming up next, my man Eric Wood joins us. Of course, uh, he only played for one team in the NFL. That was the Buffalo, that was the Buffalo Bills. We'll ask him about... Uh, about Mac Jones, calls the games for the radio network, and we'll ask him about Kansas City's rematch with the Bills and how much he thinks things will be different. That's upcoming next. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Check out those latest lines in the world of sports. Betters Sportsbook. Betters is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Uh, a lot of stuff I want to get to with Eric Wood um, because obviously he played for the Bills. He covers the Bills, and he can give us a great sense of the last time they took on Kansas City. Plus, I want his thoughts on Mac Jones and how much improvement we could see. He also, he also uh, was... Uh, was around when the Bills had Greg Roman, Tyrod Taylor, and I'm I'm wondering his thoughts on Jalen Hurts and what I think is a misassessment. I, I think the Eagles think they have like Lamar Jackson 2.0, and they don't, but I, I could be wrong. A lot to get to with Eric Wood. Woody, of course, only played with the, with the Buffalo Bills, and uh, his career was cut short by, by a neck injury, and, of course, he's now a broadcaster, for the ACC Network and for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network, plus his performance coach pod, what's next with Eric Wood? Eric Wood joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Let's uh, let's start with the game Saturday in Western New York. Is that the ceiling for Mac Jones? Is that that is that what got exposed? That like, look, playoffs different animal, and he just doesn't have the arm and the ability to make plays at that level. Man, it's tough to say this early in his career. I mean, those conditions were tough in Orchard Park when you're playing in zero-degree weather, windshield minus five. I know the Bills made it look easy at times, but you're playing against the number one defense in the league in an extremely hostile environment, and you're playing from behind. And we've seen it all season long. Mac Jones has not been able to get it done when he's been forced to come from behind in games. 
but I, but I don't think that's his ceiling per se. You know, I, I've seen good football out of him this year. He's got the second highest completion percentage for a rookie in league history, right behind Dak a few years ago. So I, I don't know what I want. I don't know that I want to say that's his ceiling. You know, as, as a Bills guy, I would hope so, but but I fear that his ceiling's much higher. Okay, let, let's discuss the Bills. Um, was it just a good matchup? Why were they so easy? Why could they so easily expose that Patriots defense? Well, I'll say this: the Patriots came in with the number two defense in the league. Now they were down two corners coming into the game. So if the temperatures were going to allow them to be able to throw the football, they were going to be able to expose that secondary. As soon as Jalen Mills was listed as out for the game with COVID, they were in trouble. And so that, that put Joan Williams on uh, Emmanuel Sanders at times, matchups with uh, Gabriel Davis. Those are just really tough matchups on the outside. And so they exposed those matchups as soon as they started playing two shell over the top. Devin Singletary, Josh Allen were able to both get it done with their legs. But I thought offensive coordinator Brian Dayball called one heck of a game. I mean, constantly mixing up personnel groupings to keep his former boss, Bill Je- Belichick, on his toes. Okay, so now now they take on Kansas City, and everybody say, well, Kansas City wasn't playing well on defense and was taking home run shots on offense. How different? Let's just start with the Bills. How different are the Bills now from the first time they took on Kansas City? You know, I think the Bills are a better team overall now. In the last matchup against the Chiefs, they had their All-Pro cornerback Tre'Davious White. He's truly he truly has the ability to eliminate half the field. He is out for the year with an ACL, so he is no longer there. They haven't missed a beat statistically without him, but really the only true great passing attack they've gone against since Tredavious White has been out has been Tampa Bay, and they lost that game in overtime. And so they will have a tough matchup on their hands. I think Kansas City is playing better ball, as you mentioned now. It's funny. Early in the season, everyone was playing them in that two-high shell. They were trying to run the football. Now they've gotten to a ton of screens. They're throwing screens. In their last six games, I believe they threw screens on 14% of the plays. That is extremely – that's number one in the NFL, but that is extremely high. And so what they're doing is they're forcing you to come up in coverage. Well, the last time the Bills played the Chiefs, they played a lot of press coverage, trying to disrupt timing. That also helps on those screens to the outside. But you play enough press, and when you no longer have Tredavious White, that leaves you open to get burnt. And then, yeah, so there are guys on the Bills that have emerged – at this time, Matt Milano, their uh, Pro Bowl alternate linebacker, he was out the last matchup. But this Kansas City Chiefs different is different now. This, their defense is different. I mean, they have four different starters from the first matchup, Chris Jones being one of them. Chris Jones was probably the biggest X factor outside of the big three on offense, Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey. Chris Jones was the biggest factor in that AFC championship win they had last year over, over the Bills. Eric uh, Eric Wood joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so uh, how do you think the game plays? I mean, like, look, we uh, a turnover here, things can go weird, but your general sense of the matchup with, as you said, the two teams being very, being at least slightly to very different from last time around. Yeah, it's tough to call, and Vegas thinks as much too. It started at two and a half. I think the spread's one and a half. And the reason I bring that up is it's just a a really tight matchup. They're saying essentially on a neutral field, these teams are fairly evenly matched. I mean, all offseason, after the two losses to the Chiefs last year, the one and especially the one that ended the season, the entire offseason, all the talk was around 
how do you build a team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs? What do we need to do as a Bills organization to beat this team? Well, you get it done early in the season, and you beat them 38-20 to 20 at their place. Well, can you use your new playoff experience over these last few years? You have playoff experience now. Can you get over the hump? And I think the Bills get it done this weekend. What's your thoughts on it? I, I, I'm with you. I just I, I actually think that the Bills and I – I understand when you lose your best cover corner and you're going against the type of freak talent that they have with Tyreek Hill and, and, and with Travis Kelsey, now you're just trying to hold the thing together. But I was under the assessment, uh, under, the, uh, under the auspice that the Bills are built to contain a team. like Their defense is more built to stop the Chiefs than it is the Titans, right? Like They, they know that the Chiefs are the team in the AFC and that's how this team is built. And I think that works. I also think that man-to-man coverage doesn't work against Josh Allen because he can run the football so well, tuck and run, and he becomes uh, a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, and, and as much as we, we, we believe that Kansas City, and it is a difficult place to play, um, I, I've, I'll say they've lost plenty of playoff games. That doesn't necessarily win you a game. It can help you with your get-off, with Chris Jones with his get-off. I don't know. I, I think that they... Even when they won the Super Bowl that year, remember they had to come from behind. This Chiefs team, you play with fire too much, you're going to get burned. I think this Bills team is too much fire and they're going to get burned. Yeah, I think you're right. And you talked about Tredavious White being out, and yes, that's a big factor. But this entire defense is a better sum of its parts than maybe the individual pieces. I mean, you're talking about, uh, I mean, one of the great defenses, I don't want to say of all time because they've played a good amount of backup quarterbacks this year, but number one in the league in points, number one in yards given up, the number one pass defense in the league, and it's really not even close, number one on third down. I mean, it's just a really, really good defense that the Bills have, and a lot of it is just how sound they are um, in, in their scheme. And so where those big plays were there in the AFC Championship game last year, if they can prevent those just based upon scheme and some of the things that they were able to do in the first matchup against them this year, then, then I think, in my opinion, in my well-biased opinion, <laughs> uh, I like the Bills here. Okay, let, let's, uh, let's get to a couple other the big football questions. Uh, Troy Aikman, uh, here, let, me, let me play for you. This is Troy Aikman earlier today. People are talking about this. Eric Woods, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so Troy Aikman was on the ticket in Dallas, and he had this to say about what he saw the Cowboys missing on offense on Sunday. Back when I was playing, and I hate going back to that point because nobody cares, but what I see around the leagues, not just Dallas, it was in Philadelphia. I've seen it with a lot of teams that a lot of these offenses, they want to scheme things rather than this corner is playing soft. He's scared to death. Just run the route tree. Just run a comeback. Run a, run a dig route. Run a curl. Run anything. And you're going to complete the pass whenever you want. Urban would have had 10 catches at halftime if they had played us the way that they played CeeDee Lamb. The game's not that difficult if if i've got a great player at wide receiver and a corner is playing him single coverage throw him the ball you agree it's hard to it's hard to disagree with one of the great ones and i'll say this just relating it back to the bills topic and i'll come back to that i think that's one of the best things josh allen has done over the last couple years especially getting stefan Diggs. is if he's one-on-one he's open 
So get him the ball. And, that, and when he got that true bona fide number one, Josh started treating him that way. And so to Troy's point, yeah, I, I think so. And I think, yeah, man, I, you know, you hate to pick on like young offensive coordinators, but that's, that's, that's kind of the shot that Troy's taking there and Kellen Moore and that he's just trying to be too cute out there. And, man, it just seems like Dallas year over year has so much talent and they're just struggling to put it all together. And then you talk about the discipline issues during the regular season. They have the most penalties in the NFL. And then it shows up in a big way on uh, Sunday. You know, that's, that's not a great look for the staff. Okay, uh, h- help me out. Obviously, you played the position. How big a, how big a flub – uh, was that that last play where they weren't able to either spike it or even throw it in the end zone? Man, that 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 play baffled me as I watched it live. I just don't quite understand why that would be a more resourceful play than just dunking it down to a running back who could get that yardage a little bit faster than Dak, get down faster. Man, it's just... Me, I, I think you're, you're Woody, Woody. I think the thinking was like, okay, but if we throw it to a running back, then the running back has to hand it to the to the ref. Instead, you, th- you just Dak has it. Dak's under control. Dak knows the clock. He knows everything, and <laughs> it ends up backfiring. Like I actually well, and, think yeah, they, they, they probably they, thought they it was this. Re- yeah, they practice yeah, it. And Dak, yeah, and Dak said afterwards that they practice that play all the time. Well, do they have the referees at practice? Because I know plenty of times at a two-minute drill in practice, and we're betting push-ups or whatever we're betting against the defense. I, I, I'm make I'm spotting that ball, and we're going. You know what I mean? And so, I don't know that it seemed like they didn't realize that the ref, um, that that official behind was going to have to come through the line of scrimmage and then spot the ball himself. Um, yeah, to me, you're just relying too much on the official to be in a great spot there than if you either A, try and get out of bounds, or B, get down on the ground a lot sooner. Because what's the difference between, and I know Dak said it after the game, like obviously in hindsight I would have gone down earlier, but I just don't see the big difference between getting to the 20, 25, or the 30. Okay, help me out on Kyler Murray. Um, Is it the offense? Is it not having his best wide receiver? He looked petrified. He, He looked totally lost on on Monday what happened to Kyler Murray in that offense well when you're under constant pressure it's tough on any quarterback especially young quarterbacks especially ones that are shorter in stature and need a pocket to throw from or need to get on the move they did a great job of containing him into the pocket and then providing constant pressure and and those stars came out in in LA when you talk about Odell and Stafford and Donald and Bon Miller and Ramsey. I mean, the stars came out in the biggest, uh, in the biggest, under the brightest lights on a Monday night. And uh, they, they always seem to do that. It's amazing how many like big time defensive linemen really show up under the lights. But that being said, you know, Kyler Murray, to me, when you run an offense like that, it's hard if, if, if what you do through the air, kind of dinking and dunking and you don't have your best receiver and you don't truly have that traditional run game if it's not going you have nothing to fall back on and and that's something that the bills have dealt with you know when they've gone to this true truly pass heavy offense and so with kyler murray you know he had one heck of a season he's going to the pro bowl you know you shake off a bad pro bowl performance 
come back next year and nobody remembers it. But he's got uh, he's got a lot to learn from that game. Bengals or Titans? Man, tough call. I'm a I'm a Cincinnati kid. Um, it does me no good to pick against them and catch a bunch of crap from all my buddies back home. But man, I sure like what Joe Burrow's doing. But you know, when you look at this season, you, you know, anyone would say, "Give me Kansas City or the Bills in the AFC." And the Titans just keep on winning and taking care of business. And with as physical as the Titans are, they're always going to be a tough matchup in the playoffs. But give me the Bengals. Give me uh, give me Joe Burrow to take them to the AFC Championship game, which is funny because before the season, I was asking Jordan Palmer on my podcast for some, some predictions on his guys that he works with. And he said, it may not be this year, but he said, Joe Burrow is bringing a Super Bowl to Cincinnati. And I thought he was halfway crazy at the time. But man, he sure looks good this year. Yeah, he's got and he's got some he's got some swag to him. He definitely definitely kind of has that feel, that look, and they got some dudes to get the get the football to. Eric Wood is our guest. Uh, nine years in in Buffalo. How many coaches? Seven. How long? How long before you knew this ain't gonna work? <laughs> it depends on who, and you know, ultimately. You know, some of the rosters were so bad, you just know that the turnover's coming. Um, you know, I think back to my rookie year, and we had T.O., we had some stars, but that was before you even had the minimum spend in the league. And so, you know, we didn't have that much talent on our roster. I mean, we had guys that definitely weren't making the team in 2010, but I say that, you know, you're all, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. You remember my teammate, Kyle Williams. Well, we'd always have a joke that, after we'd win our first game or two, I'd say, well, this is the year we're going to the Super Bowl, and Kyle would be all pessimistic. And so for me, I never knew it till, till the ax was drawn. But um, the writing was probably on the, raw, on the wall for many of them, and you were probably talking about it before I would ever admit it. No, I mean, but, but there wasn't a, like, guy stands in front of the room, and you're like, mm. you know, it's like, it's like when you go to a wedding and you see, you see the couple, and you're like, yeah, six months. Six months, or you're like, ah, I think they could make it, right? You had to uh, at some uh, on some level be, be at least a little bit a little bit cautious of of how it would uh, how it would look. Well, yeah, yeah, you're you're not far off there. And you know, when you have a bad season, there's turmoil. And you know, I think back to Rex's last year, and we fired our OC after two games, and we're not winning. You know, you just assume, you hope that the coaching staff stays because. Heck, you never know if you're going to be on the team with the next guy that comes in. But, you know, that, that one maybe. And then, I mean, Doug Marone was the weirdest one because we were one game away from making the playoffs. We had a great roster, number two defense in the league. And he leaves thinking he's getting the Jets job, and he quits on the organization. Then he ends up getting the Jaguars job, and that, that doesn't work out all that. Well, he, yeah, and he goes down there as a offensive line coach and then ended up getting promoted to head coach. Yeah, it's a crazy times. Um, do do you understand? Uh, like, I'm I'm not really a Jalen Hurts as a starter guy. Philadelphia came out and basically said, absolutely, he's our starter. They got three first round picks. Do you understand that? I mean, maybe they're looking at this year's quarterback draft and saying we can't find anybody better in this one, so we're going to stockpile talent. I don't know that he's your answer long term. Maybe they think they can develop him as a passer, but to me, he looks like a guy that can play a long time in the NFL from all indications, from everything I've heard, he's a 10 out of 10 person. So a guy you want in your organization. 
to me, from the outside looking in, he doesn't look like he's a guy that can win you a Super Bowl. And ultimately, if you don't think you have a guy that can win you a Super Bowl, then you have to try and find a different answer. But it might not be this year. You know what I mean? You know, when the Bills traded that pick away to Kansas City and they got Mahomes, everyone's thought, oh, my gosh, the Bills blew it forever. Well, the following year they get Josh Allen, and the prior year they were able to draft Tredavious White in the first round, who becomes an all-pro. They stockpiled a few draft picks. They got another first-round pick for the following year, which becomes Pro Bowl linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. Maybe that's the formula that Philadelphia is thinking. That's really interesting. It's great insight. Woody, uh, uh, safe travels to Kansas City. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good. My pleasure, Doug. Always great catching up. All right, that's Eric Wood. Follow him on Twitter at EWood70. Check out his podcast, What's Next with Eric Wood. All right, coming up next here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Wait till you hear what Colin Cowherd said uh, he thinks is going on with Bill Belichick. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Mike check. Mike check. check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports at Better Sportsbook. Better is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to what the Fox says. What does the Fox say? Every day at this time. Every day at this time. We like to play for you a portion of a previous show on Fox Sports Radio or Fox Sports 1. We call it What Does the Fox Say? This was Colin Cowherd talking about the closeness in proximity of Andy Reid to Bill Belichick. Andy Reid grew up in an NFL where the mantra was defense wins championships. Offense was sort of an eye roll, finesse, pretty. <laughs> you got you to play defense to win the big games. I look at Andy Reid and I think to myself, New England's whole is the ability to draft offensive talent. Mac Jones, low ceiling, Josh Allen in division, and Andy Reid. Good God, did you see their draft last year? Center, they drafted, best center in football. Guard, receivers, backs, tight ends. Don't be surprised if Andy stays till 69. You look at his last 10 years, and you look at Belichick's, and there aren't arguments to be made who we're calling the greatest coach of all time. It's not because Belichick got dumb. The world changes. The Nordstrom's never got dumb. Still smart today. The world changes. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you can really say a guy has been to, I guess he's been to what, three Super Bowls now? Three Super Bowls, and he's won one of them. I don't know how you compare with what Belichick's been able to do in New England. I guess the difference would be you do it at two different spots. Um, Don McNabb was not a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. 
and he's been good with just about every quarterback. Now you give him a quarterback with superpowers, and look how good he is. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do think that organizationally, this Kansas City team is built the right way or as good as they can do considering, you know, what they have. But um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. Now, if he stays till he's 69, I don't know. Look, Belichick went through, is going through went through one year of a tough stretch. Yes, they got blown out in the playoffs, but they still made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. And it does appear as though that's a regime that can figure it out. I'm gonna disagree, but I do think that if you want to say he's the second best coach of this generation. I'll have no problem. I'll have no problem with that one. Um, maybe the sign of great coaching was what they were able to do with Donovan McNabb as the quarterback, as opposed to what they're able to do with Pat Mahomes, who's undoubtedly one of the great quarterbacks to ever play this game. That's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? Uh, it's a good question. How, what is this generation? How many years is that? Well, like I think Parcells is the previous generation. Okay. So Parcells and Bill Walsh are the two great coaches from that from the previous generation, right? 80s and 90s. You uh, uh, Dan Byer, are you okay with that? Is that uh, is that, are we okay with yes, that? Yes, in cutoff? fact, I still think of Belichick as a Parcells disciple. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would also and then the guy I would throw in right behind them is Marv Levy, right? And and now they had the K-Gun. They went to four straight Super Bowls. Like, that's deserving of mention. But Bill Walsh, I mean, you look at all yes. of the all of the, the coaching tree, like Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells, this league is basically made up of, were you a Walsh guy? Right? That's sure. what Andy Reid is. Andy Reid's a well, Green home, Bay. Yeah, Holmgren guy yeah. who was a Walsh guy. Yeah. Right. So it's either you're either Bill Walsh family or Bill Parcells family. And then now it's Belichick's family, Andy Reid's family, which the interesting part is, Andy Reid's guys? Oh, and then there's Shanahan. Shanahan's guys are having more success than Andy Reid's guys and Bill Belichick's guys. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Right? And Shanahan a lot, a lot of success. He did win two Super Bowls. All right, coming up next, we'll tell you what Troy Aikman said and get Daniel Jeremiah's reaction to it next in the Doug Gottlieb Show. 